All right, ladies, let's dive right in. We are on page 182. Um, we're going to try to finish the fourth chapter today. Rabbeinu Bachaya divided life into seven groups, and in each one, there is a place of it in which Bitochen has a role to play. And as we began the chapter, in each one of them, there is an area in which having Bitochen at the wrong time is sacrilegious, right? Instead of me doing my responsibility, me putting it on God, that is exactly where one should not have Bitochen. That was the context of the whole chapter. So we went through health, we went through wealth, we went through relationship with others. Then in the last few weeks we spent, number four, number five, is things that we do for Hashem. Things that we do for Hashem, we have even more responsibility. We have things that we do for Hashem that affect others. So we have to have bitachen that our inner motivations should remain pure. And since, especially as we learn in Hasidus, we are not fully in control of our inner self, so then we need to have God. Wherever God comes into play, then we have bitachim that God will indeed afford us success. And we have the calm that is part of having bitachim. Instead of being anxious, how do I know if God will help me? No, I'm certain that God will help me. Again, certain that God will help me in areas that I'm supposed to rely on God and never relying on God in areas that I'm supposed to be relying on myself. The sixth and the seventh, we'll put them all together again, beginning on page 182. It's very, very lengthy. And he touches upon Mamash Yusoidis and Jewish faith. It's all about reward and punishment. Now, as an important intro, something that we Hasidim are taught very strongly, that God forbid to uh, motivate people based on reward and punishment. Reward and punishment is a motivation needed for children. It means if someone doesn't yet appreciate the greatness of what they are about to do, so then you tell them if you do something, you'll get a candy. It's that I'm right. It's, it's very wise to reward for those who don't yet have the capacity of appreciating exactly what is it that they're doing. When people become adults, we, our, goal is, our goal is to do the right thing because it's the right thing. And that does not contradict at all that one of the 13 principles of faith is that God punishes and rewards. In other words, I just want to frame this conversation of reward and punishment is not primarily used as a motivation in the positive or the negative. Mamash, animals are motivated that way. If you go to SeaWorld, how do you motivate a dolphin? That's the way you an animal. If you jump over the thing, you'll get a, you get a fish, you get a candy. If you're not, you'll get a shock. And to lower ourselves to the level of animal is, is, is tragic. So we're not, we're not speaking about using it for our motivation. We're just speaking about the fact. There is a fact that God rewards and punishes. That fact is so important that the Rambam made it into the 13 principles of faith. Now, if, I have a simple question. If we're not, if we're, we as adults, if we're not aspiring to do mitzvahs because God will reward us, which he will, why is God's reward so foundational? Why is it one of the 13 principles of faith? That's not a question that the Rabbeinu Bahaya asks because it's the Rambam that codifies it in the 13 principles. But I'm asking you, 
It's once you are in the zone of doing the right thing for the right thing, you really don't care that much about punishment and reward. But the Rambam finds it important that we should know that this is as important as it is to know that there is a God and that God is one and that the trade is from God and that our prophecy, we have to believe that there's reward and punishment. Why? And if there wouldn't be reward and punishment, let me, let me, again, that, that's tragically, you're speaking a, a, a practical truth that many people are underdeveloped. A underdeveloped person or a biologically minor, so they're not shy, they're underdeveloped. You're right. To put things in order, you need reward and punishment. But that's not the life. It's tragic if that's life. We all aspire to graduate from it. You're being practical. I'm not challenging the practicality. It means even by me. Let's say a person feels that they're doing things altruistically, but I'm about to sin. If the only thing that's going to stop me from sinning is thinking about, oh, God is going to burn me in hell, to hate. let me use that as long as I don't do the wrong thing. There's nothing wrong with me using it when all else failed. But a big part of it, adulthood, is trying to get out of that mindset. A big part. Including the way we educate our kids. When our kids do something to reward everything that they do, is basically telling them what they're doing has no value. The value is only the reward that they get. It's very unhealthy. Over-celebrating. Wow, you got an 80, let's party, God forbid. People do the right thing. It should, be, it should be acknowledged, but not... This whole idea of reward and punishment, think about animals. How do you train an animal through reward and punishment? And it works. You go to SeaWorld, Mamish. It's all, we're, we're not a... We're not a, we're not a, a whatever they call their whales over there. We don't want to be like them. We want to be something greater than them. And adult people realize they come to a place that I'm going to do the right thing because it's the right thing. Even a person in that world, even a person, and hopefully we all get there, also that Ambam says you have to know that there is reward and punishment and it's a foundation in Jewish faith. So if you're not using it for motivation, why do you need to know that? Why is it so yusoydi Why is it so foundational? For choice. For choice, because <clears throat> Correct. if you did something and, and you know that, let's say you're going to get punished for it or you, you, you'll be good for it, but Very you good. do the right thing anyway, that means you chose it. Better, you get the credit for Very choosing good. Very good. In other words, it, it, reward and punishment underlines that we have freedom to choose because if I did not have freedom to choose, then I'm not going to get rewarded. It wasn't my choice and I'm not going to get punished. Great. Let me give you another angle, which I think is the underlying framework to appreciate what the Rabbeinu Bahai here is trying to tell us. Why reward and punishment is so important in Judaism. You know, one of the, one of the prayers that we all say is the Shema, as we should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, based on what I'm, I'm saying, the obvious. Serving God for reward is an underdeveloped stage in life, which is needed when we're underdeveloped. But why is it that, read the Shema, doesn't it sound like when you read the Shema, the whole second portion is, God is telling us, Vahoya, if you're going to listen to me, then I'm going to give you rain. And then I'm going to give you this. And if you don't listen to me, I'm kicking you, you'll become homeless. 
and we teach it to our children. And what message are we trying to convey to them? I know the pshat. Yeah, God is saying, God is a tough guy. If you listen to me, then you'll be good. There'll be rain. If you won't listen to me, then you'll go, you'll go hungry. It's the, sh- the stretch, the learning part, the connection after. Maybe the emotions come in to create the, the, the genuine want of growth, I guess. Even, even, you know what? Even in the context of, 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 re- of wanting to do the right thing, do you know a parent that tells their child that if you're not going to keep the mitzvahs, I'm making you homeless? I mean, maybe. Does it resonate with you? Is that a parent? But you How need does to know that it exists. No, let me tell you what you need to know. The way Hasidus explains it. Actually, when we misbehave, God has a lot of compassion and God is very forgiving. What we need to know is, is that what we do really affects God. That is what we need to know. That we are able to cause a divine reaction, which is kind of awesome. Many bichachanim who came to a better understanding of Hashem and how Hashem is infinite, and how Hashem being infinite also must mean that Hashem does not change. Just take my word for that. That's a whole big theme. That part of being infinite is that you are unchangeable. If you change, then you're finite. You're mooded like us. You're happy until a certain point. You're not happy. You're angry. Everything is limited. If something is infinite, it has no end, so it has no change. God being infinite and God not changing is the same thing in different words. Now, if God doesn't change, so how are we to understand our relationship with God? Does that mean that no matter what we do, God is all the same? Yes, it does. So that means that what we do doesn't really affect God. Is that a true statement? Does your action really affect God? Depends what you mean by effect. Moving God emotionally. Emotionally? Yeah. How many times do our children act out because they're not getting the love that they really want? So they want to at least know that they matter. So they get you angry. And they're normally successful. You're not going to compliment them, God forbid, but uh, they do that. Whoo. They're gonna, and when they get angry, the child needs that reaction so badly that the child husbands. I, I, I don't mind the punishment. Even from a cruel parent, as long as I got something that I need more. And they need to know that they have the closeness to their parent, that they are able to move their parent, that the parent is not removed. God is not a computer. It's not all, you know, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about God knowing everything. Forget about God, let's speak about feelings. Does God care? Let me tell you the problem with that. You, you, it's not a, feel, yeah, God cares. Yeah, if God cares, so isn't God changing the whole time? Does caring mean changing? Care, of course caring means changing, because if God is reacting to us, we change the whole time. That means if I can do something good today and, and, and cause for God to feel happy and nachas from his kids, and God forbid tomorrow do something that's going to get God angry, so I change God. God is happy, God is angry. But God doesn't look for his own benefit. He I'm not talking about his benefit, us. I'm just talking about does he change? He's no. everything. He no, can change it and change at the same time. In his essence, he does change. He doesn't. So if God doesn't change, that means he doesn't really care. That's not true. Why? It's all the same. 
Because he's not human. You can't judge him by human. Well, we have to do what we could. I mean, once we go, okay, it is what it is. So we were learning this week in the Mimer, this past Shabbos, and that's a very important framing for this whole talk today, which we'll get to. You know, when it says that the people in Sodom, such a, it's such a difficult Pasuk to read, whoever learns Chumash. The people of Sodom were very sinful. They legislated evil. There was a young woman that fed a guest, and they punished her in court for the crime of being hospitable. They tied her up to a post. They smeared her body with honey, and bees bit her until she died. And she died in shouting agony. So it says in the scripture, in the Pasik, that God said to Avram, that I will descend. Listen to these words. Erdona, I'm going to descend, and I'm going to see whether it's really as bad as the shoutings that came to me. And if it's indeed that bad, ooh, then I'm going to annihilate Sodom completely. But maybe I'll discover that it's not as bad as. And then I'll punish them, but I'm not going to annihilate them. That's a pasuk in the Chumash. How do you understand that? If we are to believe that God is all-knowing and God is all-present and God is unchangeable, God hears, God, God is witnessing, right? Hashem is here and Hashem is there and Hashem is everywhere. If that's true, God has to descend to see whether the shoutings are as bad as He's hearing it. What kind of talk is that? That's a pasuk in the Chumash. That's all connected to this topic. And when you said yes and no, God changes or not, that's a theme that Chabad Hasidah speaks a lot about. These are the words. There is a higher level of God and then there is, so to say, a level in which God chooses to lower himself to get closer to us. The higher level of God, he, all-knowing, he knows, aware, fully aware, doesn't change. Nothing changes. God doesn't go up, God doesn't go down. It is what it is. And you should know, for that level of God, prayer doesn't work. How will your prayer move God? God is not moved. God is the mover. He's not moved by us. However, God in His kindness, that's the principle of faith, lowered Himself, so to say. He made Himself closer to us. God chose to invest Himself in a world that we can relate to, in which God is intelligent and God has feelings. And in that world, we move God as God moves us. We can make Hashem angry and we can make Hashem happy. That's how powerful we become. Now, we don't have inherently that power. God is everything, almighty. We're just creations. God gave us that power. God connected himself to us in a way, the way we are connected to our children. Just, there's a big difference. We are connected to our children. The closeness between us and our children is much greater than the theoretical closeness between God and us. God did not need to be that close to be God. God could have been God and our creator and remained aloof. God chose to be close. And that's the message we are telling our children when we read them the Shema. That you know how important you are? You know how powerful you are? That you can get Hashem angry. We read the words angry. You can get God angry. Now you have to tell your child, if you did get God angry, you can then do tshuva. And God is very compassionate. God will forgive you. You're not going to become homeless. But the fact that we are able to give God a feeling of, you know what, I want to kick you guys out. That's awesome. And that's what reward and punishment is. Reward and punishment is, is that God is reacting towards that which we do. God reacts even emotionally towards that which we do. We can give God nachas, nachas ruach lefanai, and we can get bachara af. 
other peoples thought that these words are blasphemous. Mamash. Other religions could not accept that. They felt that if God... I'm just saying, there's a big chiddush this. If not that God revealed in the Torah that this is the way he is, we cannot make that up just to make ourselves feel good. God wrote that in the Torah. God says, I'll get angry. Or like when it came to Sodom, on the higher level, God knew everything that's happening. But on the lower level, once you go into the world of emotions, and we all know that, once you are reacting emotionally, listen to this, you will react today and tomorrow and yesterday different towards the same event. You will never always react alike. Not because the event changed. The same nudnik, the same violation. One day you can be more uh, easygoing. And one day you can be more gavuradik. Uh, so that, that is what God was saying. Let me go and descend. Now, God reacts. Sometimes someone did a lot of bad to you. But if they did one good thing to you, you can become more forgiving to them. It doesn't minimize the bad that they did. But on an emotional level, there's more tolerance. And this is what God told them. That was the whole negotiation. If the art sadiq came, at least there is something that's going to evoke within me the feeling of rahmanus, of compassion. If you don't even have tzaddikim, if all I'm getting is a headache, woo, then I'm really going to judge the headache just for the headache and I'm going to destroy you guys. And indeed, there was no good at all and God reacted by destroying Sadiq. Are we good so far? The parsha that we, Vayera. Vayera. You have to read that verse and it's like, wow. In the world of emotions, there's higher emotions, there's lower emotions, and God is deciding how we should react. The higher level of God that's infinite doesn't react different ways. It's emes. It is what it is. It's, it's unchangeable. God knows everything. It's black and white. It's Right it, 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 and it's right or wrong. And not, I know that we are very nuanced, but on that level, even prayer doesn't work. What are you doing, trying to accomplish by prayer? On the lower level, we can change God's mind. And according to, if I understood you correctly, I can change his mind today differently than I can change his mind tomorrow. I'll tell you more than that. Accordingly, what I do today and what I do yesterday, even if it's exactly the same, God's reaction will not always be exactly the same. That's great. Short's great. Because every day is a new... Short's great. Well, I, great is that every day I have the opportunity not to make the same mistake. No, it's great to know that we are very close with God. Even on a... We can relate to it on a human level. Just like two people can get close together and they re, react to each other. That God came so close to us that God reacts towards us. And this answers a big question, which he's addressing. So God is unpredictable. No, there is a certain predict. There is a certain okay. There are certain boundaries, which is the reward and punishment, and within that, there's a certain amount of unpredictability, which is great. It's not a computer, as you are not a computer. You don't have to be predictable. You have to follow a certain rhythm. If not, it's chaos. But once there's a certain rule, you have the right to be more compassionate, even in a justice system, even in a goyish justice system. Right, when someone commits a crime. So, you know, we're going to throw the book at you. What does that mean? It means that according to the letter of the law, the most the judge can give is that amount of punishment. But it doesn't mean the judge always has to give it. There is a certain area where you can tell the judge, listen, that person did other good things. Have, have compassion. Not don't judge. Judge with compassion. And the judge gets, has the power to make that choice. So 
So let me, that concept of tzedek, that there is reward and punishment, first of all, that alone means that God is reacting towards me. That's number one. It's very, it's very important to understand that. As great as God is, and God is so great, that we're not even a speck of, of dust. Yeah, but God came down to me. And God feels very close to me and to what I do. And God is telling me that I can get him to react. Now on top of that, here's the question that he's, he's addressing, which is a big question. We believe in the world to come. We believe that this world is not the only world. Just like we believe there's a body and there's a soul. Even though you don't see the soul, but there is a soul. There's something beyond what you can touch. There's something beyond what you can see. Why doesn't God ever write about that in the title? No, God writes about a soul. God never writes about a world to come. Nowhere. So where do we get this idea from? Is it from this? Because it's from before where we don't really want the reward and punishment aspect. Okay, one second. We'll get there in a moment. But God writes a lot about reward and the word in the title, but all in the physical. All in the physical. If you're gonna do, God writes, if you're going to do good, you're going to get rain. If you're going to do bad, you're going to get this type of physical ailment, that type of physical ailment. There is reward and punishment. What about, what about Gan Eden that we all speak about? What about the next world after Trias? No, none of it. None of it is written. Is that none. in the oral Torah? It's short in the oral, but why isn't it in the written Torah? It's not in Tanakh. You find it in the, the later... The Torah is a physical thing. And we are in the physical world. Okay, one second. So, and that's the question that he's addressing. And he gives right everything is in numbers. He gives seven answers. Seven Why didn't God speak about a spiritual world? I know you have the words, God created the Shamayim and the Oretz, but it doesn't say in the Chumash that Shamayim is a place that we go to when we die. It doesn't say that. And more importantly, it doesn't say that there's reward and punishment in the world to come. It doesn't say that in Scripture. Why would it not write that in Scripture? It only speaks about this world. It's very tangible. He gives seven answers. I'm not going to go through the seven answers because I want to finish the fourth chapter. I'm going to speak some of the answers, which are awesome. And he writes like this. He writes that everything that we do, just like we, could, should be divided into the outer person and the inner person. That which you can see and that which is within the person, which you cannot see. You don't know what's happening within the person. When we do good or bad, there is the outer action that is tangible, that is physical, that you can measure. And then you have the investment, the emotional investment, the mental investment, the person who was the doer, the motivation behind it, why they did it. It's a hidden world. It's a hidden world. So the Rabbeinu Bahai writes like this, that this world only will react punishment and reward towards the physical things that we do. And the world to come and the reward and the punishment that we have in the world to come is a reaction towards the hidden part of ourselves that was invested in whatever it is that we did, good or God forbid, bad. God doesn't speak about punishment and reward because we don't even know how to measure that. Like God is very specific. If you do this activity on Shabbos, then you get that, will happen to you. And by the way, that punishment here has nothing to do with your motivation. It has to do with what you did. The action. The action. Even, you know, many laws, if, I'm, if I, my brakes failed, and mamish, with no bad intent, with nothing this, and my car hit your car, and I tell you I'm sorry, it was an accident. It was an accident, but I have to pay you. 
I'm trying to say was an act. Don't get angry at me. Don't react emotionally because my emotions were not malice, were not schlecht. But I damaged your property. No one is saying that I'm, uh, it doesn't matter. Even if I'm emotionally completely innocent, completely out of my control, no negligence, I'm chayef to pay. That's the way the world, what you did, but I only have to pay something of material. If I did physical harm, I only have to give physical compensation. Like there's no need for me to emotionally get in, invested in that because emotionally I never sinned against you. Yeah. So just to clarify, what happens in this world is a result of the external things that we do. Yeah. What happens in the world to come is a so result writes, of the intentions, motivations, the inner workings of yeah. our... But how does that make sense then if when we do a mitzvah, we are responsible for the actions and also for the kavanas. Like, sure. So how does that, so the kavanah will not... Very good, very good. So in other words, Rabbeinu Bachai is arguing that this world is going to reward you for the physical mitzvah that you did. And it's going to be a physical reward. Like if a person gave tzedakah and you help someone with money, then the reaction of God will be that you'll get something physical back to you. On top of that, your emotional investment in the doing, the kindness that you felt, the compassion that you felt will come back to you. You will be by God. God is going to reward you. That will not be a reward that this world is able to, to hold. That's going to be the reward that you get in the next world. And he writes, the Chumash is writing about this world. But you get rewards but, for, the, for the physical thing in the, in the next world also? He says not. He says that this world is the place where we're going to get rewarded for the physical. Makes sense. Don't know. He's, he's, he's one of the seven statements. He's Maybe making, we don't understand it. No, 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 one second. I want to come back to Bitochan. Where does Bitochan come into it? So let me say it like this. There's no doubt that, that for most people who think and you would ask them, what is the biggest challenge to the faith in God or in the God that we're talking about, in a God that's close to us, in a God that reacts towards us? Maybe the biggest, the biggest issue is that how, how is it that so many good people have a difficulties in life, to have bad lives, the way subjective? And how, how is it that so many bad people have great lives? In other words, the lack of seeing reward and punishment is a big challenge to faith. Here, at least for Baruch Hashem, I never suffered. So you see, it's just a th- it's theory. You speak to people that suffered. It's not a theory. People that, that can tell you that they're not perfect, but they're good people. They didn't, they didn't do like collectively. We did not do anything to deserve a Holocaust. We did not. That's why the Rebbe did not accept it. It's not a punishment. Don't, it's not a punishment. Killing a million babies is not a punishment for no matter how evil it is of choices that we made in the past even if we would have been here for a million years. When I were here for a couple of thousand years, that doesn't work. That's a big issue. And that's what he's saying, that a big part of Bitochen is, number one, there's reward and punishment. And you should know, I want to go back to his point, that physical reward and punishment, I know it's not a science that we can grasp, is something that we are going to see. It's something easier to see. <coughs> People that give a lot of tzedakah, in many cases, in most cases, you will see how they have a physically easier life. The gashmias. The, 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 the reaction, bigashmias, towards our gashmias, the mitzvahs, is something, again, I know that we're in Golos, and I know that it's not always the case, and it doesn't happen right away, but there is a rhyme and a reason that many people can say. Many people can see. They became more charitable, and their financial situation changed.
In the Ruchniyazdika world, we have we Mamish don't see that. No, it's people that do a lot of good will have a lot of anger. Could have, God forbid. We don't want that. But it could be. You need to have so much amuna when it comes to real reward, not just physical, which is great, but that's the end of the chain. So God says, you'll keep the mitzvahs, you'll be in the Holy Land. If you're going to violate the mitzvahs for X amount of time, you'll be out of, which is what happened after almost a thousand years, we were expelled out of Israel. I'm talking about the Churban of the first temple. But what goes on within the person, the feelings of a person, that's something that is so, it's so apparently off that we have to have a lot of bitachin that it's really happening, but it's beyond our comprehension. And there's so much he writes about details, about how do we make these calculations? And, and how many times is it that people who, who are amazing people have many challenges? He spoke about that before because no one is perfect and God wants whatever type of punishment that they have to undergo to happen sooner than later. So when you look at things with a smaller... Uh, with less ability to see the future, it could look dafke, dafke by greater people that have a more anguished life. So to say, uh, they're, they're paying their dues earlier, which is in the interest of everyone. Instead of enjoying the fruits now, credit card, and then paying for it later. Then you always pay interest. It's, not, it's never a good strategy. But you have to have a lot of amuna for that. You have to have a lot of faith for that. So the sixth topic is reward and punishment, and it's part of the Torah. And again, there are many other reasons, and there's reward and punishment in this world, and there's reward and punishment of the next world, and God is close to us, and God reacts to us, and the big question is, it doesn't look like that. I'm not saying everyone has to feel that way, I think many people, many people could look at their lives differently and be more grateful, but no one's life is perfect, and that goes even to great tzaddik. Look at the Rebbe, look at the Rebbe, it's in that, no kids. How do you explain that? You can't. No, no, there comes a point where you have to have a Muna and not, in other words, God is not moved by us. God had a plan and God put his plan in. No, 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 no. Even this, that God knows and God is beyond everything, that is easier to believe in because then God is removed. We believe in a God that's close. My God, my personal God. A God that I can get angry, but that means it's a God that I can make happy. Now, if I make God happy, why wouldn't my life be wonderful even for me? And it will be, and it should be, but sometimes it doesn't look that way. You have to have real emuna and bitachin. And I think that's the hardest area in many, many people that I know lives. They can't, they can't feel close. They believe, you know, you believe in God. You feel, bitachin is a feeling. You can't feel close to God when you feel, when you feel that you're being wrongfully judged way beyond that which you, which, you, which you should be responsible for. Now, he does a lot of framing. He says, how, how can you judge that? How do you know? You know, sometimes for you, you might consider a violation minor. Maybe for God that was so important. Maybe God waited a few thousand years to bring you to where you are. We don't know. He writes about that. And he needed to cause uh, so many things to put you in this place for you to make that bracha. So you didn't make the bracha. For you, okay. And for God, it was everything. And now you have to wait another thousand of years. For another year to go to the same location. You don't know that. We don't know how important things are. See, it's in the hidden world. We don't know what we're making God feel. Yeah. So, okay. It's important to have a moon of for A, because it will bring us closer to God, because it gives us peace of mind. It helps us do what we're supposed to do as like we're commanded to do this. Like, 
Is it all of the above? Like, I know we have to have it, but why do we need to have it? I would, I would begin in it because it's a mitzvah. Okay. He writes, it's a mitzvah to have bitachan. People with bitachan will live a calm life. Everyone has anxiety. Anxiety is a great... Now, if it's a chemical anxiety, you can't say the person doesn't have bitachan. And I'm sure everyone chemically can be better balanced. But we're speaking about the emotional part of the anxiety. And people with more bitachan will have less anxiety. And that, and that is almost like the mitzvah and the reward are coming together. We're not doing it for that. But if you have bitachan, you'll be, you'll, you'll, you'll be calm. And I, one of the biggest challenges that people have in trusting in God is that, how can I trust in God when it looks to me that there is no justice? Meaning, now that I believe in reward and punishment, what happened to the Germans so far? Nothing happened to them. Nothing happened to them. We don't know that. We know that. The Rebbe said it. For what they did to us, they should not be in this world. They're here. How? I don't know. And God is close, and God reacts, and God was angry with what they did. So, there was a woman that, that went by the Rebbe. She lost her husband in Pan America. Remember Pan Am? From my time, Pan Am. So there was a flight that was over England that was uh, a few a terrorists shot it down, and there was a few hidden in there. And there was a woman that couldn't get over. Couldn't get over the loss of her husband. She was, she was angry. She walked by the Rebbe and she told the Rebbe that she, she can't get over it. How can God do that to, to her, to her husband? Listen, you have to be a Rebbe to know what to answer. For her, the Rebbe answered this with the Germans. The Rebbe says, what did God do to the Germans? God backed her up. Not only are you right that we don't see the justice in your case, look in Bachlal. Told her that there's going to be justice. And everything is for a reason. We have belief in that. First he told her, you're right, he, well, he agreed with her that when you look through logical eyes, things don't always add up. And that's mamish where you have to have a mun and bitachin. Because people who don't make peace with the fact that it's beyond my understanding, but I still believe in all of the above, they cannot connect to God. If God to begin with is not close to me, if lechatchila God doesn't react to me, it's, tra- it's sad, but it is what it is. But now that I, I'm saying, no, 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 there is reward and there is punishment, and it's a yusoyed and a muna. And when they did that to that woman in Sodom, God says, I'm coming down. He came closer. And he looked with detail. But he didn't know. He knew all the details. But emotionally, he was choosing how to be more judgmental, less judgmental. And he chose to be very judgmental. Not to be over judgmental. And to throw the book. And he destroyed Sodom. And there's nothing left. There's a Dead Sea. It was the most fertile part of the world. It was the, Sh- the Schweitzer Mountains that was Sulaiman Amir. It was like the most beautiful. People say, why, do- why doesn't Israel have the Swiss Mountains? Mustamad had. We destroyed it. At least we have the Swiss Mountains to go visit. Yeah, I have a question. Okay, so you said that if we, in, in the world to come, we are judged for our thoughts, intentions. Yeah. The big theme in Chabad is that the biggest thing is to bring the Kedusha down is by... The actual action. Correct. So that, that, that's a that's, that, No, that's not a contradiction. That's why we, we find so much value in getting a Jew to keep a mitzvah no matter the motivation. Even when the motivation is far from being pure, even if a person does a mitzvah not for God, they're doing it for you. You're nudnikim then. They're not telling you, you're such a nudge. So to get you off my back, I'll do it. You want me to put on tefillin? Fine, I'll put tefillin. There's no intention there. Doesn't matter. But the, but the action in itself has value and the action in itself will cause a reaction good for that person in this world. Even if they had no intent or even if they had not a great intent. There's a limit. There's a line somewhere. If someone does it 
to appear righteous, to get other people's trust, then to trick them out of money. And there are certain intentions that are so damaging that it ruins the mitzvah, but normally that's not the case. And God doesn't write about something that is, you know, it's even the reward in this world is hard to see. How are we going to understand the reward of the next world? In other words, we're going to be shocked. He's basically saying when we're going to come to the next world, people who externally did not live uh, good lives, let's say. They did not live lives based on the commandments. They can have the biggest Ganeit in there. You don't know. Because, and we want them to, because, because it's about their, their intentions. All of the people that say, you know, I'm a Jew in my heart, they'll have a big Ganeidim. Good for you. <laughs> so I just have a question. Yeah. If from the very beginning, um, we were just talking about how we're not supposed to be driven by reward and punishment. Oh. So I'm like, a little bit confused. Okay. <laughs> just because it seems like every, everything is driven by the reward and punishment. No, it's not. It's not driven by. It's important to know that it exists. A child. How do you separate? It's. I mean, it's already. It, so often we're already challenged by doing X, Y, and Z, and then we're like, we have you know all this scar and onesh and all all that type of stuff, and it's like we are not really supposed to do it for that reason, but it's there. And once it's there, how do you? How well, okay. You so step yourself? one. Let me let me frame it. Scar and onesh is another code word of saying that Hashem is so close to, what, to who I am and to what I do that He's constantly reacting towards me. It's a big statement. So it's because It's coming from closeness, not love. In other words, God is infinite. Infinite should be very removed from a human being. Well, which part of God? Oh, so now, but the Torah is revealing to us that even though God is infinite, and so to say, essentially, by nature, He should be removed from us, but God made a choice. No one forced them to make that choice. God chose to be very close to us. One way of wording that is by saying there is reward and punishment. Once God is close to us, what we do really touches Him. I'm not even talking about how God punishes me. The fact that He gets upset. His punishment is not coming from a computer. Ah, you did this, you get that. No, God uses emotional words in the Torah. There's a lot of emotion. God says, I'll get angry at you. That's a big thing. God says, I'll have nachas. Nachas? Not only that God knows I did good, so you know. No, 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 no. There's there's an emotional closeness between God and us. And that is what we mean when we speak about reward and punishment. But one second, since there is this, I'm not doing it for that, but it's great to know prior, God is close to me. Now, if God is close to me, which he is, and God is reacting towards me, which he does, so first of all, I should know that there is the external things that I do that causes Hashem to react begashmias. There is the ruchnias that I put into the mitzvahs that Hashem rewards me beruchnias. That is a fact. And now I got a problem with this fact. I don't see it. You're saying because it's in the world to come. Even in this world. I don't see in this world everyone doing good, getting good begashmias. You have some people that do a lot of good begashmias and they don't yet have a good begashmias. I framed it correct. It's not that we're doing it because of reward and punishment, but, there's such, but, there, but there is reward and punishment, and there is this closeness, and God does react. And God wrote about it in the Torah. Yeah, sometimes we don't see it, and sometimes we do. And, some, and so when we don't see it, that's where you have to have a munah bitachim. All he's trying, to, he's trying to show in this chapter that in many areas of life, you really need a munah bitachim. 
And I should note that's the in reward and punishment is the last one that he's speaking about because it's the biggest challenge to him when I'm bitachin. Not bitachin in a God that's all-knowing but removed. Bitachin in a close God. Because we instinctively want that reward? No, I don't care about if I'll get the reward. I want to understand. But if it's our hardest with our bitachin, isn't that... And bitachin means that even though I don't see it, I believe that it's there and it's going to happen. I'm going to get rewarded. I'm not doing it for it. But since God promised me something, it's going to happen. I'm not doing it for the reward. But if I was told by God that he's happy, and God being happy with me must mean something. It must result in something, and it will result in something. And if I don't see it, what does it mean? It doesn't mean that he's not happy. He's happy. And if I can't see it, and many times we don't, I need to have a muna. And I need to have a betachen. I have to know that it's going to happen. Not for motivation, but because God is close to me. I think people who feel that they're close to God, it's a different life. And things are interpreted, even rationally, in a way that can make people feel disconnected. Disconnected from God is one type of life. Walking with God is the, is the goal of the Sefer. To mamash feel close to God, meaning not only I'm close to this almighty God because I'm becoming spiritual. No, no, no. God is close to me. God relates to me to the point that God is reacting towards me the whole time. The way a parent, we have children, the way that's the greatest muscle, the way parents react towards children. Parents is greater than the child, but there's a closeness. You're not indifferent. And when you punish your child, it's not indifferent. They can really get you mad. You can actually shout at them. That's awesome. Not the, not the, it's not awesome that you're shouting at them. It means that you're close to them. They need that. They, they, they paid the price of getting shouted at because of the Ganadin of getting shouted at. You see, look how close my parent is to me. I, they mumish angry. I'm not this little nothing. Unlike cold reactions. Oh, you did it, you earned that. So would you say that uh, what you said in, in regards to reward and punishment is there so we'll have a relationship with Hashem? Is that like, yeah. in other words, is there a relationship? Because we don't understand and we don't know how he's going to react. No, we, we, no, one second. Even though we don't understand a lot, but we begin with the premise that God will react positively for positive things. That's the bitachin. That's, that's, that's the emunah and bitachin. Yeah, bitachin means emunah is to believe in it and bitachin is to feel it. To feel, to feel, to feel the closeness of God. Like, I don't say, you have, you have a parent, you ever did something great when you were young and you got to whatever it was that they liked and you felt their, their joy. Feel God's joy when you do a mitzvah because it's there. That joy is so powerful that it brings you reward. But I don't see the reward. Oi, Gavalt, you have good, we're in Golos and it's terrible and it shouldn't be that way and it's not going to be, it's going to be visible when Mashiach comes. But even now, I believe in it. So I continuously feel that there's reward and punishment, which means that God is close to me. God is close to me, even emotional. And especially talking is all about feeling. Believing in a God in your mind is not going to make you calm at all. We spoke about this in the beginning. Everyone believes in God, and then, and then when they hurt, their pain is not diminished. People that have talking have less pain. People that are connected to God see that reward and punishment is reward... And reward. It's not really punishment because even in the I'm using the word reaction. Let me use the word reaction. I'm telling you, that's the way I understand it. Reward and punishment that God is reacting emotionally. But even in the difficult things, it looks like 
So much closeness, not reward. Yeah. Close. I said when the parent is shouting at the child, at least it's terrible to shout, but at least the child is hearing how close they are to the parent that I got under your skin. But also reward you grow a lot from this experience. You could. You could. That's up to you. There's another choice. You have to make how to react towards that which is not good. You can react in a way where you feel more distant. So there's no bad that comes from Hashem. There, no, there's no bad that comes from Hashem. Correct. Even if it's a punishment. <laughs> there's a punishment. And, and the seventh area, very good. and the seventh topic is, the, the seventh area we need to have a munan bitachen is bumping us up is for people to live their lives completely, completely not focused on reward and punishment. Which is that, in its, you know, it's, if you feel that close to God, it's, it's not going to be any part of your Yiddishkeit. That's the final area. What's the final expression of bitachin in my religious observance is a Yid, that because of their closeness to God, the Alter Rebbe used to many times cry out in the middle of davening, he used to tell God, God, I don't want your Ganeven, and I don't want your Olam Haba, I want you. Was he felt so close to God, that ultimately he understood, that's all I want. I want that close, I want you. There's a beautiful melody that Alter Rebbe wrote, Avinu Malkeinu Ein Lanu Melech Elo Ata. Who knows what these words mean? We say, our father, our king, we have no king, So, accept you, which means that you are our king. Now, the way the Alter Rebbe composed the melody, he put like a comma. We say, The melody makes it there's a comma, only you. So there's a Hasidic interpretation. What you said is the pshat, which is true, that we're telling God that we don't want to relate to you as our king. We have no king. We only have you. That's even more beautiful. That's the, in other words, when people live with the Muna Bitachin, yeah, then every, nothing else matters. People can reach that level. He speaks about people that, that's Gaval, that's beautiful. They said Tzadikim. That they are constantly emotionally well because they know that they have God. That's the ultimate Bitachin. And they're so, they're so connected to God that no matter what happens to them, they don't waver, which is the challenge. If I have God, then why? They don't, they don't even look at it that way. There are many people that suffer, they don't, they don't see themselves suffering people. That's, that's the highest level of bitachim. All the Hasidic stories, you know, there was a guy that the Mishnah says, you have to thank God for the bad as you thank God for the good. So he asked his teacher, the Magid, God did not write the Torah to angels. You, you can't, you can't. You can, you, can, you can believe it's from God. You can say it's for the good, but you can't thank God the same. He said, well, that's a great question. Why didn't you ask that? Abzusha, ask one of my Talmidim. Now, that Talmud was not known to be a scholar. That Talmud also went through a lot of hardships, more than most. When he asked him the question, he says, your Rebbe didn't tell you to ask me the question. First of all, I'm not scholarly. Second of all, nothing bad ever happened to me. I would not know. That was his answer. A person can reach a level where because of their bitachin, they taka, they hear no evil and they see no evil. And it's very obnoxious to be around those people, can I tell you? <laughs> Just to be aware of that. But we should be those people. Like some people, no matter how much they get connected on their head, they're amazing. How are you? Best day of my life. Look at what God did to me. But that's the goal. 
And if we're not there, the reason why, it's a, why it's a, it gets us nervous is because it's really, we know that we should be there. And we're very far from there, so they bother us. <laughs> so once you get there, don't show it off because you're going to make other people feel uncomfortable. And there's no mitzvah in doing that. But that there's such a concept of having so much amun and betachin that mamish, there's no, there's no punishment in your world. You don't see that. And that concludes the fourth chapter. And God willing, next week we'll continue with the fifth chapter. May we all get there. Amen. 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 We should feel annoyed more.